Lakeview Church. Uh, that was kind of weak. Come on. Hello, Lakeview Church. Oh, man. I thought you guys were sleeping on me already, and it's not been the kind of service you can sleep in, so uh, I'm glad you're awake. Uh, let me just take a minute and uh, just say thank you for a couple things. One, let me just thank you for being here today. Uh, for those of you who are here in the room and those of you who are joining us online, just for carving out a little space of your week to be with us in this worship service. It means a lot to me, so thank you uh, for doing that. I also want to say thank you to those of you who picked up uh, those baby bottles that we had at the back of the sanctuary for a few weeks there uh, for the Pregnancy Help Center. Many of you picked those up. You put your change in there, even though there's a coin shortage, you just threw your change in there anyway, to the tune of $1,073.79. So just super excited about the way that people partnered and made that happen. So thank you for doing that. I want to just uh, also take a moment to say a special welcome to those of you who are from Taylor or Indiana Wesleyan College students. Thank you for being here. We did our best to represent school colors this week. If you weren't noticing, worship leader with a red shirt, choir director with a purple dress. It's because we you know, we're equal opportunity church. So Taylor and Iwu, uh, we just want to welcome you here. If you are a college student, I just want to unashamedly invite you to make Lakeview Church your church home. Uh, we want you to be here because we think you're an important part of the future that God is shaping here at Lakeview Church. We know that uh, we want to be a multi-generational church. Uh, I said a few weeks ago that we want to grow younger and I've had some people say, are you going to kick the old people out? No. So I, I don't want to say we're going to grow younger. We're just going to be a multi-generational church. I think that's when we are our strongest. When we have young people and old people together, as the scriptures tell us, the old instruct and mentor the young, and the young bring life and energy and passion into a congregation. And together, we are going to be God's faithful witness for this city and this community at this time. So uh, as college students, we welcome you here. We want you to fully engage as we want everybody in our church to fully engage with what we're doing. So join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 1030 a.m., and then uh, be a part of a small group. Bring your gifts and your talents and your passion and contribute to the kingdom work that God is doing here. We want you to be fully engaged in the life of our church. And I say the same thing to our online audience. We want you to be fully engaged in the life of our church. So please, please, please get connected in a small group. Bring your gifts and your talents and your abilities and contribute to the kingdom work that God wants to do in and through us as a church. I do want to make everybody aware that we are starting some new small groups this fall, and we want to invite you to plug in to one of those. And uh, you can find the, a list of those small groups uh, on our website, and you can sign up directly on that page. So we want to invite you to find a group that fits your schedule, kind of what the desires of your heart are, and plug into one of those groups. And college students, just a special invite uh, to be a part of those because we think our small groups will be stronger if you're engaged in them. So we want to make sure that you're aware of that. Now, 
We are finishing up a message series this week, and uh, if you've been with us for the last few weeks, you know we've been studying the person of Nehemiah and the story of rebuilding the walls in Jerusalem. For those of you who haven't been with us, maybe this is your very first Sunday here, I want to just let you know you can catch up on those messages if you want to go back and listen to them, our website, lakeviewwesleyan.org. You can also, uh, if you have a podcast app that you like to use, you can subscribe to our podcast and get those messages right there and that'll give you a chance to catch up. Since you don't have time to catch up before we turn the corner in the next 60 seconds to talk about this message for today, I'm going to just recap what we've talked about, kind of the highlights over these last few weeks. So we started this series by saying that vision is really a clear picture of the future that compels us to take action. And we talked about Andy Stanley's definition of vision, that it's a picture of what could and should be in the future. And we said that we're asking God during this time to give us a clear, clear picture of the future. And that we want that clear picture to actually grip our hearts at such a deep level that it's not just something that could be true in the future, that we start to believe it should be true in the future. And when that happens, that's going to give birth to action. We're going to actually put our money where our mouth is, invest our time, our energy, our talents, our resources, and we're going to begin to move towards the fulfillment of that vision. And so it's really, really important for us to have that picture of the future. We said that vision matters because vision actually propels us into the future. Without a vision, we'll be tempted to just settle for the status quo and stay right here where we are and just kind of think that our present reality is our future destination. So we need a vision that propels us into the future. We said that vision, if it's done right, it's going to unify us. Because we're going to have a picture of the future, and if we're all looking at the same picture, we can row in the direction of that picture. Right? And without that picture of the future, then we're all tempted to develop our own picture. And we might be a church of a thousand visions. And we might start rowing in different directions. And if that happens, we won't go where we need to go. We won't actually have momentum or energy driving us into the future. And then we said vision matters because it will help us maximize our fruitfulness. Because the reality is we only have limited amounts of time, money, people, resources to invest in the work that God's given us to do. We can't do everything. So we should only be doing the things that God has specifically asked us as a body to do so that we can invest all of our time and all of our talents and all of our energy and resources into pursuing exactly what God has for us to do. That will help us maximize our fruitfulness. At the end of the day, a vision will help us as a church thrive and it will help our community thrive. And so we are uh, committed to pursuing God's vision for the future of our church. And so with that, we've been kind of talking about big ideas each week. The first week, we talked about this big idea that we're uh, called to find situations that don't match God's intention. And then, as God's people, we're called to pray for those situations to change. That's what Nehemiah did, right? He heard about the condition of Jerusalem, and he started seeking God in prayer and fasting. And what happened? A vision was born. Vision is always born at the intersection of situations that don't match God's intention and the prayers of God's people. And so we've been praying as a church for vision, for unity, for courage, that God would give us a vision for the future and we would go where God wants us to go. In the second week of the series, our big idea was that we needed to hold intention to key realities. We need to be diligent, doing everything God's asked us to do with everything that we have to do it with, and at the same time, being completely dependent on God to bless and multiply our efforts because our diligence alone is not enough. We actually need the favor of God, which is why I love that last song that we were singing. 
May his favor rest on you. There's nothing that we can do to earn God's favor or manipulate God to favor us. It's just a gracious act of God. And so we are diligent to do what God's asked us to do, but we're dependent, saying, God, we need your favor in the midst of this. And then last week, we talked about the big idea that we must move from I to us, right? Because no one ever accomplished God's vision on their own. You won't accomplish God's vision for Lakeview on your own, and I won't accomplish it on my own. We need each other. We have to work together as a team. And so we're committed to doing that as the body of Christ. And one of the key ways that we're doing that this fall is through the vision focus groups. And I encouraged you, implored you, begged you last week in the sermon to actually sign up for vision focus groups. And some of you tried to do that and you got an error message. That's because we didn't want you to participate in the vision focus groups. I'm I'm kidding. It was a technical glitch in the link that you were using. We believe that we've fixed that now, so please try again. And if you get an error message, maybe it is a sign. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Um, If you get an error message again, please, please, please don't use that as a sign to not be involved. Just pick up the phone. There are these things that you can actually push numbers in, and it connects you to another human being in another place. And you can talk to someone, and we will sign you up for a group. So if the link doesn't work, please, please, please. Call the church office. We'll get you signed up for a vision focus group. We want you to be a part of that. Uh, About uh, over a third of our congregation has already signed up, and I want to see that number climb. So please, please, please sign up for the vision focus groups. Now, I also said last week that there's a vision team. And this vision team has been appointed by our local board of administration, and their job is going to be to take what you say in the vision focus groups and look for themes and things that kind of rise to the surface and then to craft a document that captures that picture of the future. Now, this team is not uh, kind of the end of this process. They're just going to simply work on this document, and that document's going to be circulated. You're going to get to see it. You're going to get to give feedback. You're going to get to share what your thoughts are, what you think's missing, what you think needs to be said in a stronger, better way. We're going to collect your feedback on the document itself. And at the end of this process, when we get to May, which seems like a long, long way away, but it's coming, and it's going to be here real quick, when we get to May... The members of this church and our local church conference are going to get an opportunity to see this document in its final form and to vote to ratify it to say this is where we, as God's people, believe God is leading us to go. So what we need you to do is be a part of these vision focus groups, but I also want you to be praying for the vision team, so let me tell you who these people are. Our board decided that we needed to have a mix of people from our staff, our board, and our congregation. So we have four people from each one of those groups, plus me as the lead pastor. So there are 13 of us total. And uh, I want to just take a moment to say their names. Now, not all of them are here in the room because some of them are joining us online today. And so uh, they'll stand wherever they're at in their living room, and you'll, you'll just have to imagine that they're there. Um, But if you are in the room and I say your name, I just want you to stand so that we can identify who you are because you need to pray for these people. They have a really, really important job as representatives of this congregation and our board to really help us kind of articulate this picture that we've discerned together. So on our team, our board members, we have the vice chair of our board, Bob Birchall. I think he's watching online today. 
So, Bob, I know you're standing wherever you are. Uh, we have our treasurer, Jeff Boyce. And I thought I saw Jeff earlier. There he is, looking down upon us. Um, we have uh, Jeremy Schrantz right over here. He's also one of our board members. And then Mark Deisler, who's right over here, one of our board members. So these are the board representatives of this team. Then we have some staff members that are involved as well. So Pastor Jared, Pastor Jessica, Kayla, who is over there with kids somewhere. So she's standing as well, I'm sure. And then John Fapp, who's right there. And that's our staff representatives. And then we have four other people from our congregation. So Josh Huff. And then Tyler Hoyt. Where did you go? There's Tyler Hoyt. Lori Moore. I don't know if Lori's here today. Uh, actually, I, I do know where Lori's at. She's actually ministering at another church this morning. Uh, and so Lori's there. And then Mary Alice Trent is the last member who's on this team. And she's watching online. And I know she's standing right where she's at right now. So this is your vision team. And I want you to just think about their names. I want you to think about their faces. And when you're praying, as you're praying for vision, for unity, and courage, just add a fourth for the vision team. Okay? And in fact, we're just going to pause right now and pray for the vision team and for this whole process. So let's pray. God, uh, we want to thank you for this body of people that you have called together that we know as Lakeview Church. Lots of different people, lots of different backgrounds, different perspectives, different gifts and talents and abilities. God, you've called us together for this time, and we're walking into this discernment process because we believe vision matters. And God, not our vision, but your vision. We want to pursue your vision for our church. So I want to pray for the focus groups that will be starting this week. God, use them to help us begin to surface and discern what you are stirring in our hearts as your people in this place and in this time. God, help those themes just simply come to the surface, put energy behind the right ideas so that we know they're the ideas you're placing in our hearts. And then, God, for this team, the team of people who are standing in this room and at home or wherever they're watching the service today, God, would you anoint this team, give them great wisdom and discernment from your Holy Spirit at work in them to articulate the picture of the future that you have for us. And God, when we see it, when we hear it, when, when this document begins to take shape, God, would you help us as a people to just have this sense that this is what you are asking us to do. God, may there just be great resonance so that our spirit connects with the spirit of this team and that together we sense this is what God wants us to do and we run after it with all that we have within us. God, anoint this team and use them, we pray. And guide us as a church to have vision, unity, and courage to do what you're asking us to do. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. All right, so that was an introduction. Now we're going to get into the message, and hopefully uh, this will not take too awful long today. Nehemiah chapter 4, we discover that there's opposition when you're pursuing God's vision, right? Uh, Nehemiah, before he ever met anybody in Jerusalem, before he ever launched this plan, before he ever shared vision with anyone, he's already facing opposition from people 
Sanballat and Tobiah and others who gathered to, to Nehemiah right when he arrives? And why were they opposing him? Because he had come to seek the welfare of God's people. Because he was pursuing what God wanted him to pursue. And whenever you are pursuing God's vision for the future, you will face opposition. Nehemiah faced opposition. He goes on and rallies the people together and they decide that they're going to put their hands to the good work and they do, they strengthen their hands and they begin building the walls around Jerusalem and the work is advancing. But then Sanballat and Tobiah come again and this time they're jeering and they're taunting, right? Sanballat says to, to Nehemiah and to the people, do you think this is going to work? Is God going to actually restore the people of God? Are the walls going to be built? Will you be able to offer sacrifices again? He's basically asking questions to which he hopes the answer is no. Of course you're not going to succeed. Of course the walls won't be rebuilt. Of course you won't be able to offer sacrifices again. This vision that you have, it's not going to be accomplished. Tobiah jumps in to uh, this jaunting and tear and, and this uh, uh, jeering that's going on there. And, and he says to him, uh, even if a fox jumps up on top of your wall, it's all going to come crumbling down. Right? Basically, you guys are trying, but what you're building, it's not really that good, and it's going to collapse anyway, and we're going to be right back where we started. You're not actually going to accomplish what you've set out to accomplish. Because when you pursue God's vision, you always, always, always face opposition. But still, the people continue working. They keep building the walls, and we know from the story that the walls reached half of their height. So, so the work's continuing, and Sanballat starts to realize they might actually get this done. He sees the breaches in the wall starting to be closed. He sees the, the progress that they're making, and he gets a little nervous, and he says, we've got to try to confuse the work. We've got to jump in here and see if we can mess things up to keep the work from being completed. And that's exactly what they try to do. And it's at this point that we see the people of God experiencing a different kind of opposition. Because the opposition when you're pursuing God's vision it isn't always external. Sometimes it's internal. Sometimes it's the opposition of discouragement. The, the people who were building the wall, they started to say, there's so much rubble. This is a big project. Can we really get this done? I'm tired. I'm weary. I, I don't know if we can accomplish the work. You see, when you pursue God's vision, you're going to face opposition. Sometimes it's external. Sometimes it comes from the outside. Sometimes it comes from the inside. You just get discouraged because the work seems so overwhelming and the task seems so large and we seem so inadequate and small. We don't think we can get it done. And it's at this moment that the external opponents of God's work see an opportunity. They say they're discouraged. Let's, let's go in right now. Let's kill them. And we will put a stop to this work. Right? They see that the people are struggling. And so they're going to swoop in right now. And they're going to knock this work down for good. Because that's what opposition wants to do. See, whenever you pursue God's vision, you're going to face opposition. Now, this was confirmed to me this week because I was sitting in my office working away on this message, just finishing up the final details, and, and uh, someone came in my office, and uh, they said, Pastor, I have a shirt for you. 
Now, I don't ever know what that's going to look like, right? Like, what is this going to be like a shirt I would want to wear? Is this going to be something that's going to be nice? Am I going to be proud to be seen in this? Or will this just be something that I put in a drawer and don't ever look at? But I just love this shirt. And so I, so I told the person, you can't see the quote yet. I told the person, this is going in Sunday's message, just so you know. So they gave me this message. It's a quote from Woodrow Wilson. And it says, if you want to make enemies, try to change something. Now, I don't know if this person was saying, hey, if you try to change things, you're going to have an enemy in me. I don't think this person was saying that. They were just saying, Pastor, brace yourself. Brace yourself. Because whenever you pursue God's vision, you will face opposition. And it's right at this moment in the story that Nehemiah steps up to the plate and he calls everybody back together. And he says, guys, let me remind you, our God is great and awesome. Let me remind you that this vision that we are pursuing, it's not our vision. It's not our idea. This is not just something for our own benefit. This is the work that God has called us to do. And remember, we're not just building a wall so we can say, look at the wall we've built. We're building a wall because it allows your families, your wives, your sons, your daughters, your homes to be protected for the shame that's rested on the people of God to be lifted, for the fact that you've been living in derision by your enemies, for that to go away and for the people of God to thrive again in this place in the way that God wants you to thrive. Nehemiah reminds them of the vision. He calls them back to unity and he encourages them to develop courage in their life to work with one hand and fight with the other. And the people of God come together and the work continues. Because while it is true, whenever you pursue God's vision, you will face opposition, it is equally true that you can overcome that opposition and keep going. And this is the big idea for this final week of our series, that whenever you pursue God's vision, you will face opposition, 100% guaranteed. But you can overcome it and you can keep going, just like the people of God did in this story. If you remind yourself that the God who gave us this vision is great and mighty and that we are a team, that we belong together as the body of Christ, and we're going to work together and we're going to fight together and we're going to protect one another and lift one another up. And together we are going to pursue God's vision for the future that he has for us. We will face opposition, but we can overcome it and we can keep going. Now, I've already touched on a couple of key ideas from this passage, but let me just maybe highlight a couple of things that Nehemiah faces two sources of opposition in this story. The first opposition that Nehemiah and the people of God face is from self. This is the internal opposition of discouragement. right? In Nehemiah chapter 4, let me just read this verse for you to show you right where it's at. Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 10. Uh, it says uh, that they were greatly... Oh, wrong chapter, Chris. Uh, chapter uh, 4, verse 10. In Judah it was said... The strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There is too much rubble. 
by ourselves, we will not be able to rebuild the wall. This is not external opposition. This is not opposition coming from other people. This is internal. There's so much rubble. I'm tired. Can we really get this job done? Let's just throw in the towel. The people of God face that kind of opposition, opposition from self. They also faced external opposition, opposition from others. This is the opposition of criticism, negativity, and attack. Right? Remember Sam Ballad and Tobiah, what were they saying to the people of God? Will you really be able to restore this wall? Will you really be able to ever offer sacrifices? Your workmanship's not that great. Even if a fox jumped up on it, it would all come tumbling down. Right? Let's sneak in and kill them. Criticism, negativity, and attack. The people of God face that. Now, at the risk of stating the obvious, we are going to face, as we pursue God's vision for the future, the exact same kinds of opposition. No matter how strong we are today, no matter how excited we might be about the future of our church, there is a day coming in the not-too-distant future where one or more or perhaps all of us is going to be a little discouraged. We're going to think to ourselves when we think about the 42,000 people who live in Grant County who are unclaimed by any religion today. When we start thinking about that number and we start thinking about our church and we start thinking about the task that is in front of us, there will be moments when we will think to ourselves, this is too big of a job. We will think to ourselves, who are we to think we can change that circumstance? We're going to think to ourselves, we're trying, we're working hard, we're spinning our wheels, but we're not getting traction, we're not moving as fast as we want to move, things aren't changing in the way we want them to change, and we're going to get discouraged. Brace yourself, it will happen. And we're going to face opposition from outside of ourselves, we're going to face opposition from others. There are going to be people who are going to look at us, and they're going to say, those people are crazy. And some of you are. They're going to say, who do they think they are? They think that they're going to be able to make a difference in our city. They think they're going to be able to make a difference in our county. Really? Lakeview Church? We're going to face that. We're going to face people as we proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're going to say, you guys really believe that crazy stuff? You guys really build your life on the word of God? That's ridiculous. You're going to hear that. You're going to have internal opposition from your own discouragement, and you're going to have external opposition from others. As the train starts to leave the station to pursue God's vision for the future, there are going to be some people who are going to say, can we put it in reverse? Can we just back it back into the station, put it in park? Because, man, the status quo sure is comfortable. People will say that. Some people will want to pick the train up and move it to another track that's going in another direction because they're going to think that they've got a better vision than the one God gave us. We're going to face that. 
Opposition will come. When you are pursuing God's vision, you will face opposition. And why is that true? Because there is an enemy who opposes you. That's why. There is an enemy whose sole mission is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. There is an enemy, Scripture tells us, who roams back and forth throughout this earth looking for someone that he can devour. That's what the Scriptures teach us. There is an enemy, and at the risk of over-spiritualizing, because I really am not a person who believes there's a demon behind every rock. I really don't believe that. But I do want to say that I believe there is a God in heaven and there is a devil in hell. And as we pursue God's vision for the future of our church, I want to let you know there is an enemy that will seek to disrupt, to divide, and to destroy the work that God wants to do in and through us. You can mark my words. As we devote ourselves to being people who are saying, God, help us. Help us find the vision. Help us pursue the vision. Help us maximize our fruitfulness for the kingdom of God. You better believe that if we get serious about that as a congregation, the enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy is going to intensify the battle against us. When you are pursuing God's vision, you will face opposition, but you can overcome it, and you can keep going. So in the very few minutes that we have left today, I want to give you three things that I think will help us stand against the opposition. First, encourage one another. Encourage one another. When the internal opposition of discouragement comes, and it will come, right? You're going to see somebody with their head down. You're going to see somebody who thinks, I put all that time and effort in, and we didn't see the results we wanted to see, and they're going to get discouraged. When you see that, your job as a fellow Christian, a brother or sister in Christ, come alongside that person and lift their spirits. Keep your head up. If you've ever played on a sports team, there are times when a player on a team makes a bad play. Right? And, and the worst thing that can happen is not that bad play. The worst thing that can happen is that no teammate says to that person, hey, pick your head up. We need you for the next play. Right? If we allow our teammates to remain in discouragement, then we will be defeated. So encourage one another. A kind word, a handwritten note, a text message when God lays it on your heart to send it. Right? Lift each other's spirits. And scripture teaches us this. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25, it says, don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another, and even more so as you see the day approaching. Encourage one another. We've got to do that as we pursue God's vision for the future. Second, spur one another on. The first one's about lifting spirits. The second one's about holding each other accountable. Is there going to be moments as we're pursuing God's vision when we're facing external opposition, negativity, criticism, attack, it's coming at us? And in those moments, let's just be honest, it's easier to throw in the towel, to quit, and to run away. I get it. When I face opposition as a leader, I would just rather go play Xbox. It's just easier. 
It is easier than standing in that moment to face the opposition. So it's easy to throw in the towel. It's easy to quit. It's easy to run away in those moments, but we can't do that because if we do that, God's vision for our church and our city and our community won't be fulfilled. We got to stand our ground and we got to keep going, which means we have to spur one another on. The writer of the book of Hebrews in chapter 10, verse 24, says, You should spur one another on to love and to good deeds. So when you see somebody who's disengaging from the vision that God's given us, don't let them. Don't let them. Hold them accountable. Call them up and say, hey, we need you in the game. You've got a job to do. When you see people who think that their role is not that significant or it's not that important, you've got to encourage them, spur them on. We need you to do your good work so we can all pursue the vision that God has for us. It's going to take all of us working together. Third thing, deepen your roots. Deepen your roots. We can encourage one another. We can hold each other accountable. Those are good things. But if we don't find our roots going down deep into the person of God through prayer and the scriptures, we will not be the people who can stand against the storm. We won't be people who can stand against the storm. I look at our culture, and, and we live in a time where the world is clearly broken, clearly in need of redemption. It's obvious. I don't have to convince you of this. Culture has loosened its moorings, and it's just drifting on the currents of the day. Whatever's trending on social media, whatever is pleasurable, whatever, whatever the idol of self wants, you can have. And culture's just kind of floating along on those currents, going wherever self and pleasure and the trends of the day take us. Our world and culture is clearly a culture of death and darkness right now. It's all around us. We see it in violence, we see it in, in division, we see it in factions, we see it in the way people attack one another, the way that civil debate has gone away, the way that we, we tear each other down as if the person we're arguing with is not even a person, they're just a position to destroy. We see it all around us. And it's easy to look at all of that and think to ourselves, man, things are really bad and getting worse. Jesus, please come back and get us out of here. Except that's not in keeping with the character of God because God delays because he wants everybody to be saved. See, God's got a bigger plan than just get us out of here. God's plan is, I believe in these people that I've created and I want to redeem them and I want to restore them and I want to transform them. And so we have this amazing opportunity as the people of God during this time to offer light and life in the midst of death and darkness. And yet here's what bothers me. And it really bothers me. Because I watch social media posts of people who are Christians, quote unquote, who follow Jesus. 
And they post on social media and they engage in the debates of our day. They, they, they step into the arguments and the things that are going on in our culture. But what we're offering to the world is nothing more than the world's philosophies just kind of chewed up and spit back at them. We're not offering light and life. We're simply offering the view of our political party. We're offering the view of the latest soundbite from our news organization that we follow. Or we're retweeting the zinger that we think is going to tear the other side down just the way we want them to be torn down. Or we argue about the slogans that we use to divide ourselves into different camps. Or we like and share different things to to talk about different issues of our day from racial tensions to whether you think we should wear masks or not. And we engage in all of this rhetoric and all of this debate. And in the middle of this time, in the middle of a culture of death and darkness, as the church, as followers of Jesus Christ, we have an opportunity to offer something that can really change the world. And yet here's what bothers me. I don't think we have it to offer because our roots aren't deep enough. Our roots aren't deep enough. We offer, when we are facing the tensions of our day, we offer what is inside of us. When the pressure gets ramped up, whatever is inside comes out. And I'm afraid that all we have to offer is the view of our political party or our news organization or some godless organization that we've decided to follow because we like their slogan or we like what they stand for as it relates to social justice, and we don't even take the time to discern, is this the kind of organization that I want to align myself with? Is this an organization that actually represents the kingdom of God? Or is this something else? See, we don't have deep enough roots. We are Christians, but we're not disciples. We're not people of the word of God so that whenever something comes at us, our first and primary response is the scriptures. That when the pressure gets ramped up, the thing that comes out of us is the word of God because that's what we have been soaking in every day. We've got to deepen our roots. We've got to deepen our roots. The fact that the church in the modern era doesn't have what it needs to offer to the world is just simply a failure of our discipleship in the modern era. We have not encouraged you to take your faith as seriously as you must for the day in which we live. And I think God's going to have a lot of things that he wants Lakeview Church to be known for in the future. But the the thing that we will be known for if we're known for nothing else. We want to be a church with deep roots. We want to be a church of deep, deep roots. That means we've got to be in the Word of God. We must be devoted to prayer. And we must make our primary identity nothing else, nothing else. Not your party, not your news, not, your, not, not any other organization, not even Lakeview Church. Our primary identity is Jesus. The day of hyphenated Christianity, where Christians hyphenated and then fill in the blank with whatever other thing you'd like to fill in the blank with, get rid of the hyphen. Just Christian. 
just follower of Jesus, seeking to live in the way of Jesus in a day that's dark and dying. Because our culture needs light and life, and we can provide that if we deepen our roots. We're going to face opposition. We're going to face it. But we can overcome it, and we can keep going if we commit to encourage one another, spur one another on, and deepen our roots. Now, some of you this morning, I know we're out of time, but it's okay. We're going to sing a song together, and I'm going to ask you to ignore social convention. I've prayed about this all week. So if I'm wrong, I'll own it. But we're actually going to have a real altar call this morning. Now, some of you who are at home are like, well, I don't have an altar. I'm going to just encourage you to make one wherever you choose. It might be right where you're seated. It might be the couch or chair that you're sitting on. Maybe you just want to kneel in front of it and make that your altar. Or maybe you want to stand and walk to the other side of the room as if you're coming forward to kneel at the altar. You make your altar wherever you need to if you're at home today. But for those of you in the room, we're actually going to sing this song, and I'm going to invite you to make your way to the front of this room. Now, we got wings over here where you can physically distance and spread out. We got altar rails up here. There's space. Now, some of you might have to climb over people, so please be patient and gracious. We're going to sing a couple verses. You got time. Okay? There's no urgency to make it up here by the time we're done with the second word. Okay? We got time. But I'm actually going to invite you, if you find yourself today being a person who says, you know what, I actually am hearing a call from the Lord, not from the pastor, from the Lord, to deepen my roots. And I need to do that in a new way as we head into this next season because the storms are going to come. And if you don't have deep roots, the tree will get uprooted and it'll fall over. So as we sing this song, I'm going to just invite you to move out from where you're at, come to the front of this room. And if you're not feeling that call, don't come. Let's just just be honest in this place. But if you say, you know, I want to deepen my roots. I feel God's spirit stirring and prompting me to respond to that call. I want to invite you to come forward as we sing this song. So let's stand together. And again, there's plenty of space on the sides. And the sides count as altars too. Okay? So as the... As Josh leads us in this song, I just want you to to come if God's leading you to come. So come as we sing. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest friend, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. The solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. His oath is covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood. Stop.
God, you see people uh, kneeling all across the front of this room, standing at the front of this room. People have just sensed a stirring in their heart, just deep in their roots. God, I just all week long have thought about Psalm 1, that we want to be like a tree planted by streams of water. When everything around us is dead, dying, decaying, we want the leaves of our tree not to wither. We want the the tree that you are building in our lives and in this community to produce its fruit in and out of season. God, help us to put our roots deep down into your word, deep down into the place of prayer. May we seek you with all of our heart, so much so that our primary identity is found not in anything else. No matter how good it might be, it is not found in anything else except you, your word, your truth, your character. God, make us people who not only know your word, but help us to become people who think like you think who see what you see, who respond the way you would respond as if you were living your life in our place. God, we want to be those kind of people. So Lord, make us, make us like you as we commit ourselves to being people of the word and people of prayer, people who are called by the name of Jesus. Help us to be more than just Christians, more than just people who believe a certain way. Help us to be people who are disciples, who are identified by the fact that our lives are centered on the person, work, truth, power, and mission of Jesus Christ. God, through your Holy Spirit, touch each person at these altars today. Fill them in a fresh and new way. And put their roots down deep in you so that they can stand a test that will come when opposition comes our way because it's going to come but we can overcome it and we can keep going and that's what we intend to do as your people we love you and we praise you and we thank you for your work in this room today in the name of the Father Son and Holy Spirit all of God's people said